Hello world. Welcome to the Millennial Outliers podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Justin Deal, with my partner in crime, Tyler Argerin. Ty guy, what's the word? Yo, what's going on, birthday boy? Uh-huh. <laughs> Big 3-7, man. Getting old. That 40 is creeping in. It's getting a little crazy. Not yeah. loving it, but, you know, tis life. Uh, just a number. Yeah. Well, friends, we have an amazing uh, episode for you today. I have a good friend of mine, Mark Singer, who's our partner at Newton One Advisors. Uh, he's going to drop a lot of cool gems on us, super intelligent guy, very high level. So we'll get into some finance things uh, down the road. But, you know, why I wanted to have Mark on, great family man. He was also an athlete, as much as he kind of hates me talking about it, captain <laughs> at Toledo football, uh, safety. But we met, uh, as most of our guests, ironically, through sports. So we actually, on the golf course, yeah. not basketball, which was, you know, the the regular for most of our other guests. Uh, but Mark brings, you know, a different perspective to business. It's a lot of things that we overlook, uh, especially as individuals. And, you know, he's just an amazing person doing things. Another younger guy who's a hustler. So wanted to have him on, tell a little bit about his story, how he got to where he is today. And then we're going to, you know, get into, you know, some of the insurance parts and benefits that he helps with. So, Mark, first off, thanks so much for being here this morning. Justin, thank you for having me. Tyler, thank you for having me. I, I can't say it enough, and I know I'm I'm beating a dead horse, but your setup is fantastic. As a, a fellow podcaster, it's you guys really do a great job. Um, and I know a lot of that goes to Joe, so I may have to, to talk to Joe following this. Absolutely. Joe's <laughs> the man. Recording, Sweet so. recordings, friends. Yeah. Anybody needs that, that's the plug. But Mark, why don't I, let's jump into, so we've been friends for a little while, but you reached out when you had saw the uh, the Mama's Boy podcast. And you had shared some things with me. So why don't we jump into, tell us a little bit about like your upbringing, childhood, and uh, you know, just maybe some things you had learned from that. Yeah. Um, man, kick it right off with. with um, <laughs> right in the field. Yeah, right in, in there. The Take us back. Nostalgia. No, no, that's a good thing. And um, you and I, we, we talked a bunch about you know doing a podcast. And I believe our podcast, uh, Newton Knowledge Podcast, but we were on our 12th or 15th episode, and you said you were starting yours. So uh, naturally, I was very intrigued uh, due to our relationship. So after, li I just randomly picked it, uh, the Mama Boys one. I was like, this, this may be interesting. Um, and I loved it. It was it was really, uh, it really hit home with me because I, I have a lot of, of mentors and, and people I look up to professionally, spiritually, um, and Growing up in, in my household, family wasn't the biggest um, cornerstone. I would say it wasn't bad. It was just it was just different. And growing up, you think that's all there is. This is how everything is based off how you're brought up. And uh, my my mother has uh, issues. That being said, it really made me look and and say, well, what do I look at, or or what do I want in a wife, and and hopefully uh, a mother of of my child, which we have too. And it almost gave me the blueprint of of what I don't want. In turn, allowed me to say, "Well, what do I what do I want?" And uh, my wife Brianna, we've been married going on eight years. Um, she's she's been a rock star. Um, and in, in terms of being a mother, she's she's everything I know that that my mom would have wanted to be, and hopefully one day one day can be. Um, but it it really um, hearing your both of your your moms on the show um man i want to meet them they sound like absolute killers especially in the business world no, um, so that was that's just something that was foreign to me and i've dealt with a, a ton of women who are absolutely phenomenal when it comes to 
to the, the, the business aspect, but not one that was so close to home, such as you having your, your two moms to, to really um, learn from and, and um, get things out of. So, yeah, yeah. that's. And it is so important. I think, you know, the, the big takeaway there is you don't always know what you want, but knowing what you don't want is equally as important, right? Because there's so many lessons that we learn from the examples. And we talk about this, it's your decisions, not your situation that dictates the quality of life, right? So, you came from a situation that maybe wasn't ideal, but you took from that, all right, I'm going to make these decisions. I'm going to look for these attributes. I need this kind of a partner to make the life that I want because I know seeing some of the past things, what what could be and, and how it might not be the best environment to raise kids in and to grow a business and to just grow as an individual, right? Because I think you know, we've both done 75 hard. Have you done it as well? I haven't. You, okay. you pitched me it on the golf course when we initially met, and you said you don't drink for 75 days, and yeah. that's when I stopped listening. Yeah. That's You know, it's funny. That's, for most people, that's the thing. Yeah. Yeah. But what I was getting at with that is I tell people a lot of times, like, it's tough to just do it as you. Like, you kind of have to get your partner to buy in. Oh, for sure. Because there's this whole growth in, like, mentality and your, your the physicality of you, and you can almost, like, separate yourself from your partner if – your growth mindset is going, your, your body's changing, like all these things happen and they're kind of still where they are. And then you see them in a different light. They see you in a different light. So, you know, it's it's just important that you have, you know, that partner who they're able to grow with you. They're able to take that feedback and criticism. And, you know, you run a business now, Breed, does she work? She stays at home with the kids. Yeah, her job's tough. Very yeah. tough. Oh, yeah. um, my kids are a handful. So and, she, and she does a great job on social. I see her stories she all does. the time. She's, she does. I mean, I, I consider <laughs> myself a, a ray of sunshine, and it seems like Bree is absolutely that to you and the kids. She's She lives life to the fullest. Oh, without a doubt. Without a doubt. And you can see that through the personalities of my children, both dramatically different, but um, <laughs> she has such a positive impact on their lives already, and they're five and three. So Yeah. Yeah, I think um, – and the, the biggest thing for, for our listeners to learn there, right – is when you run into obstacles, you know, whether it be the upbringing or, or whatever, um, you got to learn from that type of stuff. And I, I brought it up in in other episodes that you, the people who fail a lot of the times, it's because they have like they run into the same issue and they keep making that same mistake. Mm-hmm. And um, I was uh, listening to an episode of uh, I think it was Priscilla or Jocko, one of them. And he was talking about, you know, no matter like what you go through. At the end of the day, like at that time, it's your, it's on you. So, you know, it's how I react to this bad upbringing. You know, I could keep blaming it on that, keep blaming it on that and going down that same, you know, avenue, but like, it's not going to do anything for me. Right. So, you know, you got to learn from that, that those types of things. And um, I, I, you know, you brought up my mom and everything. I have a great relationship with my mother as Justin does. You, you know, a lot of the listeners saw that on the episode. Um, but I, uh, I faced adversity when I was younger. You know, I had a, a son, um, which I've brought up before, uh, in my, uh, when I was 19. So super young. That's young. Um, yeah, Especially yeah, it was, it was a lot. Yeah. Um, but I learned a ton through it, you know, like after me and his mother, um, separated, uh, which I was only in my early twenties. Um, there were so many lessons that like I took from that and to your point with making sure that your better half is your better half. Right. And these are the, the traits that I want to look at. I want to make sure, you know, there's a great family behind her. Um, I want to make sure that she's going to be a great mother to, to my children. Um, and what she is and, and, you know, it's kind of common here, I guess that they're all for the most part, stay at home moms, you know, Mm -hmm. but all of our wives and, you know, I don't think that's a coincidence. Like, I think 
you know, we kind of looked for those traits of being a good mother and, and saw that. And, you know, um, I'm sure you, you all say, you just said about your wife, like she is, my wife's the best mother in the world. She's with the kids 24 seven. And, and to your point, it's like the most difficult job. I'm home on a Saturday. You do a lot of the crazy stuff going to the shore with like four kids by yeah. yourself, but it I'm makes just, it look so easy. <laughs> I know. Right. I'm just home anxiety. and I'm like, just, just call watch. my wife after two hours. Like, yo, you got to get home. Say, <laughs> and I can imagine every day, but you know, um, the, just the biggest takeaway there is you got to learn from your mistakes, you know, that and finding I, the, the positives in everything. Mm-hmm. Um, because I, I had a coach that always said, if you, and I'm sure you guys have heard this, if you sit at a table with 10 people and everyone shares their situation, you wouldn't change yours based mm-hmm. off how good or bad other people's situations are. And I was, I was fortunate. I had a, a father and mother growing up. My dad was, you know, he was great and a very, um, a great provider and, um, very good at, at sports and helped my, my brother and I and my sister um, in playing sports and developing and um, athletically. Um, and I had and my mom was my mom just had her situation, but I'm still I'm still blessed to have a mother growing up because mm-hmm. I, I know a ton of people who, who have no parents who, you know, one passed when they were younger or, um, and, and teammates that come from very um, tough situations. So to look at it, you know what, from a positive perspective. I, I had two parents that that did love me mm-hmm. and things change, things happen, but you can either decide, you know what, I'm going to be a victim and complain about it. And that's going to decide my future, or you can learn from it, adjust, just as you said, Tyler, and, and move forward. Yeah. Um, so just trying to really take the, the positives out of, out of certain situations. Absolutely. Now, speaking of athletics, so let's touch a little bit on, you know, the collegiate career and not so much like, you know, stats or anything like that, <laughs> but you were obviously, you were the captain of the team. Um, yeah, played Toledo. That's that's big time football. Tell us, like, you know, what were some of the lessons you had learned being a collegiate athlete at that level, and has any of that you know transitioned into who you are today? Oh, a ton of it. And we could this could be an entire podcast. You and I could talk football. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and I I was again I was um, I was privileged to to be on a very terrible team at the University of Toledo and a very good team. So I saw the dynamics of, well, what does it take to be absolutely god-awful in the MAC, And what does it take to actually have a chance to win a MAC championship and play in multiple bowl games? Um, and it it started when I came in. They recently won the, the MAC championship. Some of those players started to graduate and trickle out of the, the program, if you will. And the coach was there for, for many years. And I guess it kind of got stagnant. You know, you, you think, oh, we're good. You know, we're one of the best teams in the MAC. So we'll continue to be that way. And then the work kind of falls to the wayside and it just, it doesn't work like that. And especially football, it's a very unforgiving sport as, as you know. Mm-hmm. Um, so my freshman and sophomore year, my freshman year, we won three games. They fired the coach six games into the season. Mm-hmm. Um, and he was there for 15 years prior. Um, so our interim coach was, was the D coordinator. And then we hired a guy who came over from, um, he was with Florida or he was with Oklahoma State. He was the D coordinator there, and he absolutely changed the program. Now, in a good way, but there were also things that weren't great as well. But in terms of getting wins, you know, accountability was his his main main thing. And when we were three and nine, we had great players. We just had guys who were ineligible because they didn't go to class. People fighting at practice, thinking that was cool and tough. Mm-hmm. People blowing assignments. Our discipline was terrible. All those things add up, especially when you're in close games. So yeah. 
that started to diminish as soon as this coach came in. It was you were accountable, you went to class, everyone was eligible. And if you weren't, you didn't just pay for it. Whatever position you were with paid for it. So your teammates started to get on you. Mm. And guys, you guys have all played sports. You really know you, you're doing something right when the, the leadership comes down from your peers and those that are playing. So he asked yeah. a lot from the seniors and juniors and, and essentially the starters. So they, they, they took the brunt of any consequences that happened if we had guys not doing the right things. Um, maybe a little bit to the extreme, but when you play in those conferences, you don't, and just being honest, they don't make a career there. They want to go to the SEC. Yeah. They want to play the Big Ten. They want to play, you know, so let's go win 10, 11 games, win a bowl win. game, and pay me millions of dollars and to go promotion. be a head coach elsewhere. So I, I had the chance to see there's a lot that goes into to being successful, and a lot of it is sacrifice and just being accountable and being honest with yourself. Um and there's good ways to do it and, and ways that uh, aren't so good. But uh, in terms of how that has helped me in my professional career, I try and take that as the blueprint that you got to be accountable to yourself. You have to be honest um, and you have to have good teammates. I, I am almost always the stupidest person in the room when it comes to the guys I'm around. Um, is it strenuous? Yes. Do I tend to be quiet a lot? Yes, because I'm just trying to hear what you know, how they're positioning things, things, their thoughts, their perspective on the situation, and all of our businesses is referral based. We're like, like we said before, we're, I deal with estate planning attorneys, CPAs, wealth advisors, and we're just a small piece of the the portfolio at the end of the day. But surrounding yourself with people to push you, um, being accountable. Um, being on a good team and really uh, being honest and genuine and, and genuine to your clients and wanting to help your clients has really, really helped me in my professional career. And that's the the cornerstone, I would say, that I've taken from playing football at that level. Yeah, I love that. And for the folks who, like, haven't played at that level or just haven't played organized sports, I mean, you can kind of capture that if you're watching Coach Prime and what's going on in Colorado. Oh, I, love right? I, mean, it's, I love it. I mean, you, I think that program <laughs> won one game last year. If We or, played Colorado oh, you my sophomore did. year. Okay. And we weren't good. We won five games that year. We beat them by 40 points. Wow. They came into our place and we absolutely whacked them. And now they're I mean, Being, yeah, they're yeah. legit. We, yeah. yeah, they have players on that team. Oh, yeah. I didn't know his son was that good. Oh, me yeah, neither. Both of them, yeah. the quarterback yeah. or the corner. I mean, well, the, the quarterback, quarterback, man, the quarterback. I didn't know he was that good. Yeah, yeah. Um, I haven't seen anything like with draft wise or anything, but I'm sure he'll probably go to the NFL. Yeah, I would assume so. That'll be the thing in probably another year. Is like, does he stay and continue to play with his yeah. father and try to build this? I mean, they don't need the money in that family, but that's yeah, good. You know, point. The, the point is though, is the accountability, right? Like he came in. Everybody has. I mean, it's a viral uh, line. It's crazy. You know, I'm, I'm bringing my luggage and it's Louie, right? Like <laughs> yeah. he was like, if you're not ready to commit, and he said he was like, some of y'all ain't gonna make it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's what if you watch like the Swamp Kings thing on Netflix with Florida in the day, like yep. they were like, dude, they were trained. Like I, I wasn't trying to go to Iraq. I was trying to play football, but that's kind of how you weed people out, right? And like, who really wants to be here compared to who just wants to live the lifestyle and the image, yeah. right? Like, if you watch the Johnny football thing, in the same regard, he just wanted to live the image. Yeah. He was never, you know, they said I just watched that. zero hours on good. his NFL yeah, laptop it was. It was in sad, film. but it was good. It was. Yeah. It was like, what an athlete, mm-hmm. so much potential, but he Autograms just had people around him that <laughs> never held him accountable, Yeah, right? So he never had to develop. He was never challenged. People were bailing him out of things all the time. Yep. And now look at him. He was yeah, to the point he says and he was suicidal for a while. He blew like five million dollars in a year, yep. spiraled out of control. 
And that's what a lack of accountability can do. There's two completely separate stories, two different universities and completely different outcomes. Yeah. And you see with Dion now, it's like I was having this debate with somebody the other day. I was like, does he stay at Colorado and try to win a few rings in bowl games to just put them on the map? Or does he try to, like you said, get into the USC, Ohio State's floor? But I don't know that he needs to do that. Like those schools already have the legacy, the yeah. prestige for Coach Prime to really like take a school. I mean, the HBUs would have been so hard for him to do that with to really compete on that national level. But Colorado is like, that could be it. And just the recruiting classes he brings, like, yeah, you see he's got Warren Sapp, Michael Irvin, like all these ex-pros that come in. You know he's going to bring the pro days. I mean, they have their endowment, I'm sure, has, like, tripled already this year. The amount of money just like the Sanders – like having a 21 Sanders jersey again on the market for his, his son that's the safety or I think he's a corner. Um, it's just – it's crazy to see what one man with accountability, with mindset, with an actual – game plan and action what that can accomplish that's prime time baby <laughs> i just i don't know i haven't followed dion i i watched would watch dion highlights all the time mm -hmm. arguably the best defensive player punter, athlete yeah. on, mm -hmm. on the football field um maybe bo jackson in, in comparability but yeah, bo is so much better at baseball yeah There's, we'll never yeah. see and we'll never see an athlete be a, but, a two sport athlete nah, but dion, dion made it look like he was just playing pickup football in the backyard yeah. against you know in the nfl pitching laterals on interceptions and stuff but he i don't i don't i haven't followed him enough aside from just watching his highlights that i don't know what his next move would be that's a really good question because a lot has changed in in the NCAA with football, just based off the money they're allowed to make mm -hmm. now yeah. as well, the, the transfer portal, which I always felt is kind of okay because, you know, I've been part of teams where you have a head coach that comes into a program, sits in your living room, you know, with, with the parents of this recruit and says, I'm going to see your son graduate, this and that. And then the next, it could be three, four games, they get an offer to go coach at Illinois and it's like, up, out. I'm out of here, <laughs> see ya. Right. But if a kid wanted to transfer – Oh, you're gonna have to sit out of here. Like I'm, I'm yeah, okay with that. Now, does it affect the 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 camaraderie of coming in with your freshman class and then seeing it through? Does it like alleviate that pressure of a well, if I'm second string and I know I'm not gonna play, I'm gonna kick rocks and go elsewhere? Yeah, it does diminish that a bit, but it does give more opportunity and make yeah. it more similar to what coaches are able to do, um, making it more aligned with the players. And it is a full time job. One hundred. Yeah. It, it's. You're you're going to class. You're scheduling your workouts. You know, five six a.m. You're working out, and then you have to schedule your classes either super early or super late because you're in the facility for for six hours straight watching film, practicing, getting your rehab. So, um, and then if you're traveling, you're you're leaving on a Thursday. You're getting back Sunday if you're traveling across the you know to the West Coast or something or wherever you're going. So, it's it's definitely a. I, I think the the way they're doing it, it, that they're doing it, it is great. The way they're doing it, I don't know how um how that's going to pan out over the years uh, now you're, i mean i think we both shared that post like i saw it on your, your timeline as well of, you know just what the the daily structure and itinerary was for yeah. a one athlete and people don't realize that like going to school at wagner we had a lot of kids that were local and just had money 
Um, and they would always be like, oh, you know, you athletes, you got your four rides, like you get this Basket and that. Basket weaving class. Yeah. Whatever well, you're you like, say. Rock, still, right. Rock point, climbing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're like, we might be traveling to the West Coast, but like, I still got to turn in those assignments. I have to do them yeah. on my laptop, on flights. And to your point, like yep. we're working beyond a full-time job. Like oh, easy. 40 easy. hours a week, would uh, that's that would be a cakewalk, but that's not, we, they got every single penny of yeah. our scholarships out of us and some. So it's, it does really teach you the disciplines. And I wasn't ready for that when I was in college. And that's why I messed up academically. I couldn't balance it. And too yeah. many of my coaches told me I had the attributes to go to the NFL. And I thought I was at Ohio State and I was going to be the guy who just kind of passed through. And I wasn't. I was at a one double A school. And I was like, no, bro, you got to earn every <laughs> single day you know, the right to step back on a field and play. And you know, it was, that was a huge awakening for me. And it was the first time, honestly, like, I ever got punched in the face, but it was yeah. a lesson I needed. I wouldn't be who I am today. I would have been Johnny Football. I'd yeah. been the guy that everybody just never held accountable and would have blown money. And and I like to have fun, so I can only <laughs> imagine what that would have been like. It's pos- positive you you learned that lesson early on. Agreed. Actually, yeah, that's literally a- one of the best things at eighteen. You know, yeah. it was super embarrassing to come back home. You know, go to community college. You know, work for Hallmark. Yeah. You know, it was definitely not the uh, the highest point of my life. But looking back. Uh, my mother used to say when we started the business that that was one of her best memories of me. And I always was like, man, what a backhanded compliment that is. <laughs> and she like said it in front of our staff. And I remember being so embarrassed. But, you know, now seeing it as a parent, I'm like, you know, for her, it had to have been hard to allow me to fail. It had to be really hard. Like, yeah. I, I, yeah, I can't even really like hard. for years, I never even thought about that perspective of like what what it feels like to let your kid fall, you know, break their leg basically and just say, hey, you got to. You got to learn up. that lesson, pick yourself up, dust yourself off and get back in there and not try to cushion me, not try to catch me, yeah. not even try to help me up. Just, that's you know, this be. is you. Yeah. And that's that's real love. I think too many times you know, we always as parents, like we want to protect our kids and set them up for all the things. But we almost like cut them off at the knees if we don't allow them to experience certain things on their own and make the mistake. Now, I think we're probably all fortunate in the business world where because we have mentors, we're able to learn lessons from them, from their mistakes. Yeah. But I know a ton of people who hear that, but until they actually feel the pain and they go through it, they can't learn the yeah. lesson. And I think that's kind of what that taught me. I never want to feel that pain again. So when I hear these lessons from other people, I'm like, I'm going to jot that down because that hurdle hasn't come in my life. But when it does, I know I can refer to this and you know clear it rather than stumble through it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Your mom gets it. That's yeah. the... That's what I, was, I was very blessed with that with both yeah. my parents in that regard. Yeah. And, and having a, uh, you know, mentor is super important. But now, like more than ever, um, just with the Internet, you know, you can learn like so much. Like You can listen to Jocko every day. You can mm-hmm. listen to these these Maxwell. Like you listen to so many different people um, where, you know, it's definitely important to have a mentor. But like, don't let that stop you from learning. And, um, you know, but to your point, you, you do have to go through a lot of that because you can, you know, like anything, someone tells you they're sick, like you don't think really anything of it. But when you're sick, it's like the worst thing ever. Right. Yeah. So you don't really understand unless you're either going through it or, or have experienced it in the past. Like, you know, you got you got to go through that to kind of learn. And again, but you're looking back and remembering you're not just forgetting and going back into that same, you know, mistake, kind of like I was saying, you know, earlier. That's such a good, uh, you brought up the learning and I'm new to social media. Mm. Um, I, I got on Instagram and Facebook uh, last year because we were 
um, we created our podcast and we needed platforms to, to get on it. And I'm extremely new and extremely green when it comes to, to social media. And the information on these platforms that you can digest over a short period of time is crazy. It's wild. Um, it really is wild. I can also see how people get consumed with it. And, oh, um, yeah. <laughs> and it's, to your point, experiencing it, though. Um, I've worked with people who may get their information uh, from some of these platforms or they read about it, so they essentially know about it. Or yeah. and, and until you've been in a... a a specific situation where you've had to experience how the actual process goes versus just reading it. Um, I think that's something to, to just keep an eye on because yeah, yeah you can learn a lot, but um, being physically involved with certain engagements, I think, and, and feeling it and seeing how that unwinds is, uh, can be uh, more beneficial. Yeah, a hundred percent. And, um, you know, to, to that same point, you know, it's great though, because it can help educate you. Like, so for an example, um, this past year I started flipping houses, uh, on the side and, you know, watching videos and YouTube gave me the confidence to be able to do it myself. Yeah. Now I'm learning literally daily, you know, like, Oh, this permit, this, whatever it is. Um, but I probably would have never made that step. And unless I saw 500 videos of people like, yeah, this is what I do. This is how I do it. Granted, you know, I try to use that, but I'm, I'm still learning. I'm still running into problems and issues that I didn't hear in a video, or maybe I did, I forget it. Yeah. But, um, it gave me that initial jump. And that's the thing with the internet in, you know, in that, how people are educating themselves and, you know, more now more than ever, there's so many house flippers. There are so many people investing, you know, back 30 years ago, like investing in stocks was like something rich people do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, like that was like something like, you know, your grandpa did. He, he's got, you know, a hundred shares of IBM or something. Yeah. Um, you didn't even think nothing of it. But now so because true. you learn so much, Robinhood, all these say the easy accessibility easy. is helping people educate, you know, all that, all those different things. And it probably translates to your industry with like life insurance. And I got to imagine somewhat, you know, someone 30 years ago probably didn't even know what like you would have to explain to them what life insurance is. Yeah. Whereas, you know, now they probably at least have a, an understanding or maybe just a little grasp or even know of it. Oh, they know more than me. Right. <laughs> to be able to get it, probably not. They probably say that. But, yeah. but you know, it's getting them introduced to something that, you know, they, they 30 years ago, they would never have been introduced unless they just met you. Yeah. You, no. You know? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you can look up anything now and get an idea or have a tutorial. I mean, how do you think we started our, our podcast was, yeah, how, do, how do I start a podcast? Yep. And, uh, I'm su- again, I'm super jealous of your, your setup. Um, and and my, 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 <laughs> mine was we just you know bought the stuff and set it up wherever we it's make shift wherever started. we go and getting yeah. started. Like, just like your started. story with, with real estate, that's fantastic that watching those videos kickstarted um, you know, the opportunities that you have now. That's, that's great, but then you got to go do it. You and that's, that's, the, that's, the, yeah, that's the, yeah. the, the difference. And then experiencing those transactions and dealing with people in each situation is different. Yeah. Um, and, and life insurance, just to, to recap on the, the life insurance um, part. So there's two, I don't want to go too deep on life insurance because it's, it's a taboo subject to begin with. But um, there, there's two types of insurance that are generally placed when it comes to life insurance. So there's insurance that's placed to create wealth or, or create liquidity. And then the other bucket would be life insurance to preserve wealth. 
um, or transfer wealth more efficiently. So when we're talking about creating liquidity, it's um, you have a breadwinner of a household, they may have four children, and if something were to happen to that breadwinner, they need liquidity immediately to pay for their expenses, whether it be their mortgage, their kid's education. That's your standard term insurance, 20, 30-year term insurance. Um, can we do a deeper dive on, okay, well, which carrier to go with and which type of term insurance from a convertibility standpoint, if you're looking, looking 10, 20 years down the road, am I going to one day want to convert this? There's different carriers that are um, more suitable and have greater opportunities of the certain products you can convert to at a later date. You could go down that road, but more or less, it's more of a transactional sale and it's a very important sale. Um, but our focus is more aligned on the, the preservation side. Mm -hmm. Um, at Newton One Advisors. And that is, okay, depending on what my estate is made up of, if it's majority real estate or, or investments, if I were to pass and my estate is north, the net worth, so everything in my name and in my spouse's name is north of the exemption, which right now it's the highest it's ever been. So, and I'm rounding, by the way. I'm 26 million using portability for both spouses. So anything north of that, there's a taxation of 40%. <laughs> so right off the bat, some form of liquidity is going to have to take place unless you have a handful of cash that's sitting there to, to pay Which for a that lot, tax. 40% of that number. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so anything, yeah, so anything else. Yeah. So 30 million, you're, you're worth 30 million, and most of that's tied up in your business or, or real estate. Someone is going to have to facilitate that um, liquidation or sale of those assets to pay that. Or another solution maybe and, I, and this isn't always the case and i and, and i can't stress that enough you'll run into to insurance advisors where life insurance is always the the solution mm -hmm. it's not you have to look at the numbers health is a huge factor in this discussion again what are their assets um and then figuring out on the dollar so the premium amount based to the death benefit what is the internal rate of return on that mm -hmm. is that going to be more efficient than liquidating certain assets at a 20-year 30-year life expectancy well, let's look at the numbers and find out. That's where our our focus and our resources, being part of the M Financial Group, um, that's where we 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 make our bed. And that's you know I said it earlier. We're like the 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 Navy SEALs of life insurance planning. <laughs> so love that. We're, we're surrounded with the and we prefer it this way. Collaboration is key with us. We want the estate planning attorney, the 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 wealth advisor, the CPA, and then when all the ducks are in a row and they need a. a an innovative or, or somewhat complex life insurance solution, it's usually an M financial firm, hopefully, you know, uh, someone within our, our wheelhouse that's going to structure that policy and make sure it's it's funded appropriately. Awesome. Now, so being in the industry for a while, you know, I, I feel like this is something that people like vaguely know about and pretend to know more than they do because it is such a complex thing. What kind of recommendations would you like? What should people look for, you know, an advisor when they're picking teams like this? Like, what would you say? What are the, yeah, what would you completely stay away? What, what's the red flag? And then what are things to actually look for to ensure that you're, you know, you're investing in the right people? Yeah. And this isn't earth shattering by any means, what I'm going to say. Um, having someone who can take a purely agnostic approach when it comes to vetting out the solutions and carriers that you're looking to get involved with. And what do I mean by that? Someone who isn't a associated specifically with one carrier or maybe a, a mutual agency because they have structured policies that they can only offer. Now, that's not a good or bad thing. It's just there's other options out there that may be more suitable based off your goals and objectives and whatever planning you're going through with uh, right now. So one is, are they completely unbiased and have access to 
all solutions within the marketplace. Like my dad sells cars. He's a Ford dealer. Um, there's nothing wrong with Ford. I drive a Ford naturally. My whole family drives Fords. But there's other there's other makes out there that you know may be more suitable for you. So that's the same in the insurance industry, or at least the way we we approach it is having access to all carriers and all solutions. Um, and then someone who I would say can control, or at least to some extent, control the underwriting process. And this is really the art and science behind everything. Someone, a, a team that can informally, and this is unique, but informally underwrite um, yourself or a business partner or what, whatever type of um, solution you're looking for. Someone who can collect all of the information, take it in-house with their actuarials and, and physicians, and figure out which path to go that's going to be most efficient from a pricing and, and contractual standpoint. Not everyone one can do that. So having the ability to do that is huge because that way, if there's a red flag, you can halt the process and nothing's documented and you're not gonna be affected ongoing trying to acquire coverage. Um, in, in some scenarios, the latter would be, oh, we sent your medical records out, here's the declination and you have a declination on your records and that's kind of it. So having someone to control that. So being purely agnostic, open, open market approach, and then having the ability to control the underwriting process once you get to that, that um, point. The, the third piece to this puzzle would be service. Mm -hmm. Full transparency, and you guys probably know this, life insurance contracts and some disability contracts, life insurance contracts are very heavily funded up front from a commission standpoint. Mm -hmm. We're talking north of 100%, 110%. So when policies are placed, and we just this is just from my experience, if I have someone who says, I have a whole life policy, $10 million in coverage. I go, well, where's the current agent who's servicing? I have no idea. He's probably in Florida. I don't know. I haven't talked to him in a while. There's crediting rates, whole life dividend interest rates that are associated with these policies. A lot of ours are crediting rates when it's variable policies, index universal life policies that fluctuate like any investment, like your 401ks. You have to monitor this to make sure that whatever we illustrate it once the policy was placed, is it performing close to or better than? Can, do we have to rebalance the policy? Do we have to restructure it, change the death benefit? Um, and that's not always the case within uh, the insurance industry, unfortunately. So finding someone who specifically focuses on implementing these insurance solutions, then monitoring and servicing them and has a team that backs that up is extremely important. And that's something I'm, that's something that's can deter a policy from getting out to age 100 to it blowing up at age 82 and the client's 80. Mm. So those those are the three things, an, an open market approach, um, underwriting control, and then the, the management piece of, of the puzzle when looking at life insurance policies and life insurance planning. Yeah, and that's super similar to my industry. I'm mm. pro property and casualty insurance, same kind of thing. And you know we're a brokerage, right? So same same idea. Where you, you know, I don't work for State Farm. I don't work for farmers. I work for the client, which, you know, which is fantastic, which I'm looking out for their best interest. Um, and I tell people all the time, like, I have no allegiance to travelers or whoever. I'm just giving you these options and, you know, helping you make that decision um, service with renewals. You know, we're the opposite. We're making a far less commission, but we're making it continuous, over, right? Yeah. yeah, we're making yeah. it over, you know, years. And because of that, 
we have to be very service oriented because you renew next year and maybe you jump the grand and we got to shop you out and, you know, whatever. Um, so it's, you know, our industry, my industry is, is very similar to yours. And I tell people pretty much the same thing. And, you know, they're like, oh, well, I got State Farm quote. And, you know, I'm like, well, if they're trying to lower your rate, it's because they're trying to lower coverage. You know, that, that's usually they only have one option. So um, and they're working for that company. Like they're just trying to sell that company stuff. Whereas if you go to a broker and I don't care if it's me or another broker, I just think you should talk to a broker yeah. because, you know, they're going to give you the different options. They're going to give you the different coverage options. If you want something cheaper, they could probably get it for you cheaper with a lot more coverage than you just going to farmers and trying to get it cheaper. You know, so it, it's very similar to, to your industry. Can we take just a small step back? So for folks who I hear that term all the time, underwriting, can we just, can you explain like what is underwriting? What does that mean? Yeah, I'm going to go back to a car analogy. Um, it's looking under the hood to see, you know, an actuarial is going to see, okay, essentially when is this person predicted to, to pass away? You know, is it before age 87 or is it after age 87? And then based off blood work, medications they're on, any medical history, uh, any ailments within um, the family, any potential genetic disorders that they may pick up on, um, they're going to figure out, and they're very, very spot on. These are very mm -hmm. intelligent people, the the actuaries um, within the, the life insurance industry, because you got to think, life insurance carriers are extremely profitable. Yeah. yeah. So they know what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> um, they definitely know what they're doing. Um, so... In turn, they figure out, okay, what should the price be for Mark Singer on this $5 million life insurance policy to age 95? Um, and then based off that, there can be some negotiation based off the really the relationship of the advisor and the carriers mm -hmm. to figure out, okay, well, where should this efficiently be priced to where, one, is it profitable to the insurance carrier? Yeah, but does it adequately insure the, the, the um, insured as well? Mm -hmm. And that's where we're more on the side of the the insured and the applicant to figure out, okay, let's get appropriate pricing, but adequate coverage in place, and then make sure it stays what, what we implement initially stays in place for that duration of time mm -hmm. without a huge influx of, of premiums or, or changes within the contract. And that's, it's a relationship business. And Newton One is part of the M Financial Group. And, and all that means is, we receive, we have relationships with commercial carriers, all carriers I'm sure you're, you're familiar with, um, that structure policies differently based off our book's persistency. We work directly with the carriers. There is no middleman. So the reduction of overhead expenses and paying agents, employee benefits, retirement plans, that's not part of the equation. Um, and then the clientele we tend to deal with, and I'm not... I'm, Longevity favors the wealthy, mm -hmm. and whether that be non-traditional healthcare avenues, um, concierge physicians, um, education, financial means, all of this contributes to um, longer life expectancy for for a certain wealth spectrum, mm -hmm. and all of that, along with the reinsurance company that we we provide in taking on fifty percent of the risk of the policies we place, mm -hmm. it allows us to have more leverage in negotiating appropriate pricing for our clients with our with our policies that we're putting in place. But it all stems back to relationships, especially in the underwriting process. So that was a long-winded answer on what is under what does underwriting yeah. look like. But um, having someone that has those relationships um, is a huge component when looking at these types of solutions for wealth preservation and wealth wealth transfer goals. So you're um 
that's super interesting just because I'm I'm in the insurance world and um, the reinsurance part, uh, your firm has actually taken on 50% of- M Financial, so correct. So Newton One is one of 142 firms nationally that roll up to the M Financial Group, which was created in 1978 by uh, the four founders. All of their names began with the letter M, like super unoriginal insurance guys. Um, <laughs> And and again, everything I just went over, that was their their pitch to the board of insurance carriers. We're dealing with this these types of clients. All we do is insurance. We've doubled down on insurance. We don't manage assets. We purely place life insurance policies for estate preservation and wealth transfer purposes. Um, our persistency is much higher. The size of the policies, it's eight to nine percent larger than industry average, the size of the policies we're placing. Now the quantities, um, much Less. smaller. Yeah, yeah, much smaller. Um, Bigger fish. Cor yeah, yeah, correct. But to your point, they cre they decided to create their own reinsurance company because when you get to a spectrum of 10, 20, 30 million dollar life insurance policies, you're usually divvying it up amongst other carriers as well, just from a risk diversification play. Right. So they decided to create MRE, M reinsurance, to where if we write a $10 million policy, we're actually taking on $5, Five. million dollars of wow. risk. Mm. Um, and in turn, when we're negotiating pricing, it, it definitely helps. It helps because oh, massively. Because <laughs> you're taking you know, on fifty percent. Pacific of Life risk. isn't taking on ten million. You're actually taking on five million. Right. Um, huh. But it's not just that component. That's the other the other three components I went the over that really that. yeah the underwriting, yeah. the persistency. I mean, our our lapse ratio is sixty three percent lower than industry average. Wow. Um, so it's, what's it's the industry. So is it, do you guys use retention as your like key number? Oh yeah. Well, we, mm -hmm. so when you're placing term insurance, hopefully you don't have to use it. Right. 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 If you do, you don't want to use it. You yeah. don't want to use right. it. Exactly. <laughs> um, the policies we place, you want to use. Yeah. Because estate taxes are going to be due unless they decide to remove it like they did years back, which it is. Just fun fact that is supposed to sunset come 2026. Sunset essentially cut the current exemption in half. Yeah, I heard so that. at 26 it would be 13. And again, I'm using portability for both spouses. So that is supposed to happen. So just to for those millennials out there that have assets and maybe starting a business and their assets are starting to grow, just be wary of that. That you it's may not down. have an estate tax issue. Yeah, it's proposed to it. It never has come down. Um, so this would be the first, but essentially it's written in law right now that it's going to come down. Now, I think a lot of that's going to have to, will be dependent upon the administration at the time. Yeah, who's the president? Yeah. But um, just a, a fun fact. And um, just to clarify that, so that so now anything over that 13 million would be at that 40% tax we talked about earlier. Once it yeah. sunsets, yeah, correct. Mm, yeah. Yep. Wow. Unless they change that percentage as well, which I don't, I don't think that's been proposed. Yeah, I heard that recently too with the 13 mil. Yeah. Um, that's crazy. And 40%. Um, <laughs> it's a joke. <laughs> So in terms of the utilization of term insurance, hopefully you don't use it. Right. Yeah. And it's afford it's affordable. If you're yeah. And one thing I would say, so what would you tell um, those that are listening? If if you have expenses, you're starting a family, and um, you or your spouse are are earning an, an income, and you're essentially living off that, term insurance is so affordable. Talk to an agent and just get yeah. get something in place. Get a million dollars. Like a hundred bucks a month. Right? Yeah, it's, yeah. It's, it's fifty bucks. Like is there like a general just with that? Because I, I know people who have it, but then I talk to them and they're like, yeah, I have uh, you know, 75 grand. I'm like, how yeah. much do you make? And they're like, I make 80. I'm like, so what? Is there like a standard or like a roundabout multiplier of your annual income that you should have in mind? I don't... 
I, I would look again. We're we're planners first, so you could look at a multiplier. But how much is your mortgage paid off if you were to pass tomorrow? Who's picking that There's up? A lot of factors. Where, yeah. What do you have in your your qualified assets? Do you have any other homes? Right. Um, do you want to fund your kids' education if you're no longer here, or are you going to say, you know what, my wife's going to marry someone else and it's going to be there? Like everyone thinks sure differently, and and. W- I'm not in the business. We're not in the business of convincing them otherwise. We can ask them questions, look at everything on, on our spreadsheets and say, this is what you should have. Now, if they go with it, great. Um, with yeah. It. Um, and that's the same with, with the estate plan. These are your assets. This is what they can grow to. Right now, assuming the exemption goes down, this is the tax oil, this chunk right here. This is what a life insurance policy costs right now to tuck into an irrevocable life insurance trust to pay that. You know, is that cost reasonable and manageable or are you comfortable with, you know what, we'll let it ride, see what the exemption is. And, you know, I won't be here and my family will liquidate assets if they have to. And we're not here to convince otherwise. We're here to just show them the numbers and allow them to make an educated decision, again, based off all the carriers and solutions we put in front of them. Yeah, because I definitely like, I've been looking more into just the different investments and insurance does seem, you know, the most like risk mitigated, we'll call it. I just, you know, with the traditional 401ks, simples, things like that, you know, most people aren't doing it Roth, right? They're putting yeah. in whatever to at least get their match. Maybe they're putting 10%. But, you know, my big fear is, A, just with the economy, like that that number, even though you think you have a couple million in there, could out of nowhere get cut in half. Yeah. And then, B, taxes don't go down. So you might be paying 60% taxes when we're 65 and yes. taking a draw God. where like a lot of the insurance policies, some of them have like minimum returns, like where you like, again, it's just, it, it mitigates the risk. And it's really, that's what I'm most like looking for is, you know, the father with four kids. Like I, we are all the breadwinners of our families. And like, I want my money to always make money. I don't yeah. want it to like maybe make money yeah. and then maybe have to pay this huge tax bill or to your point, leave it to my kids. And they're like, oh, cool. We got 20 million. Shit, we owe 10. <laughs> so, all right. That, that guy, yeah, that guy uh, dicey quick and we don't have quite as much as we thought. So, yeah. it, you know, I think people do need to take a better look at that and sometimes yeah. get off of the traditional routes and just educate themselves more. And I think what you're, you're talking about is it's a great diversification play. And one and life insurance can be deceptively complicated. But what it does do and its advantages are tax efficiency and tax deferral. Max out on your qualified plans if you can. Put that away. Defer, defer, defer. Taxes are have gone up. And like you said, what are they going to, no one knows. If yeah. you know, let me know. Right. But <laughs> We'll plan for it. Yeah. <laughs> but with life insurance, if structured appropriately, depending on the policy, if you're looking for tax deferral and you're not looking to tap into that cash 10, 15, 20 years down the road, mm-hmm. it can be, you know, an extremely valuable tool because you can then take out income tax-free loans from the policy and mm-hmm. withdraw up to the, the cash basis tax-free. So it, it's a nice piece to the portfolio. Mm-hmm. Is it oversold substantially? Yeah. Um, so many and, <laughs> reps out there, and, yeah. and, and with pro- and, oh, God. <laughs> and with solutions that they're good solutions, just not for that. Yeah, there's other products out there that are a lot uh, that are more efficient from from cash growth and then accessing that cash at a later date, um, just from an investment standpoint. But it's a it's a great tool when it when it fits the portfolio and the planning for that particular client or or family. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's crazy. I can't get the forty percent tax on the way out. It's like you're paying the taxes, 
you know, while you're earning that income mm-hmm. on your assets and everything, and then you leave it to somebody and they got to pay the taxes again. It's such a joke. It really is. <laughs> There's nothing taxes, we can do man. about it, but it's just, it's crazy. And then people have complained about like, oh, I'll tax, you know, the rich, the rich, you know, it's like the, these people may not be the, like, when you think of the rich, rich, like you're thinking about the people that, you know, like Elon Musk and everything like this, like these people aren't yeah, that rich <laughs> and they they earned that you know it's the middle market yeah it's yeah. not the billionaire it's no really it's the these guys stuff. right yeah. it's so crazy to me uh just drives me nuts it's not how <laughs> it's not how much you make it's how much you keep right yeah exactly right i always try to tell people just yeah. uncle sam's just got to so put his hand in your pocket ridiculous. not touch the bottom you know yeah. it's like you got to play the game the right way well and speaking of like generational wealth usually the the third generation is where if wealth was accumulated it starts to trickle down mm, statistically yeah. and um could that be mismanagement? Could it be taxes? You know, could it be a business folding? Could it be the economy for that? But I, I mean, it could be, it could be whatever. But if you have the opportunity to at least create some liquidity to know to take taxes off the table, that's where where proper insurance planning can help. Yeah, yeah. And you, um, to go back to your your business, um, because you know, again, it's similar to mine. Uh, I focus in on property and casualty. I get approached by life guys and all, you know health guys all the time. I should be doing it, they say, you know, and all that. But um, kind of similar to your business, you know, we know PNC, especially flood insurance, and that's where we we come in at. That's huge. Right? Um, so yeah. what you know, with you guys doing just life and disability, um, I guess one, what are your thoughts on the wealth management guy who does it all? You know, and we probably know a ton of them that do you know financial planning they do uh investments they do life insurance they do disability you know everything um and then you know kind of take it back to your approach of being that specialist in you know life life and disability yeah and i i can't speak on their behalf you know the jack of all trades master of none whatever yeah. um and they're super knowledgeable guys that manage money and and place life insurance policies when when appropriate um i can just speak on Newton one's behalf and my partner our founder Tom Hollinger and our managing partner Steve Target you know, we deliberately doubled down in the insurance um, industry and in the insurance marketplace for the, those three reasons. You know, being part of them is great, but um, when there is some form of complexity and a client needs a solution for estate preservation purposes, doing that right is a, is a pretty important um, job within a portfolio. And we doubled down in that. Um, because there's not many people swimming in that, that those waters that purely focus on life insurance for those reasons. Now, yeah, you'll run across a, a financial advisor or an investment guy. So just, and I always love this. We're, we're wealth strategists or yeah. we're financial planners. I think like I've seen you that know, signature like you sell, times. you sell life insurance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Just, just yeah. come out and, you know, you go down the rabbit hole and it's like, well, what you need is this whole life policy. Yeah. It's like, what were you talking about? I thought you were going to manage my money. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we and, and I'm gonna say, but we're pretty upfront about that. That um, you know, we we that's what we do, and that's the business we're in. So yeah, I, I can't speak on on them, but I could just say we did it deliberately because we 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 know there's a market out there where we take uh, what we do very seriously. And being part of the M Financial Group, it's worked for you know, 40, 50 plus years. So. Yeah, yeah. There's something about you know focusing all your time on on one or two things. And back to your point of the um, jack of all trades and everything. Uh, 
you know, I learned that too early on. I was trying to do, you know, I was a realtor because I had my license. I still have my license, but I was doing all these different things. I, I run an insurance company at it. And um, I had to put my real estate license in referral. And I said, I need to just focus on like one, yeah. one piece. And then I took that to the business too of, I'm just doing flood. I'm just doing home, like just covering property. Yeah. I'm not going to offer life. I've had thousands of life people. I, I probably got two emails right now that they want to meet me because they want to, <laughs> they want yeah. me to start selling life for them. Cause you know, we have however 3,500 clients and yeah. it's a big opportunity for someone like That's that. It's a big pool. Yeah. So, but um, you know, there's just something about, uh, I, I think it's, it's, to me, it's like, it comes off as, it doesn't come off as genuine. Like if I'm yeah. helping you with your flood in your home and then I call you three months later, oh, we should do your life too. It's like, does this guy really know with like, especially life insurance, like like you're saying with the wealth side of things, like I know how to cover a homeowner's policy, but like, I'm not going to cover this guy's life. Like I could educate myself on it, but like how much am I really going to know about it? Um, and it's just, you know, really owning in and something I heard um before and I forget who who did it, it was an author, but he said um, you got to spend ten thousand hours on your craft to really master it. Yep. Like, how That's... can you focus ten thousand hours if you're doing a hundred different things? Mm-hmm. You, you, you can't. Know? Yeah, you can't. You can't. Right. Right. Uh, we can't do it well. Right. Unless you're savant. Yeah. Oh, yeah Which yeah. That's what yeah. I was gonna say. It's no, no coincidence <laughs> that we're all in industries that are vast, but we all have stayed in a single lane. Right. Yeah. Like I could yeah. do thirty-seven things as a payroll guy, but we do payroll and taxes. Yeah. And then we bring other experts for the HR, the pensions, the benefits, all of that other stuff. Because again, I would I would rather hyper focus and be the best at this thing and give you the best service and the the best knowledge and education. Rather than to your point, just be like, yeah, I know, you know like, I'm pretty good at like these 12 things. Like I'd rather be exceptional at one thing. Well, that and from a referral standpoint, if you tell me you're good at 12 things, how am I going to think of Justin Deal of all 12 things when they pop up versus Seriously. if I know it's payroll, I'm like, I'm, I know Justin and his team does that. Great point. Or if it's PNC, I know I'm going to Tyler. Yeah. If you, you know, I do LTC, I do disability, I do life insurance, I do property and casualty, I do payroll. I, yeah. Who do we, what are you going for like Mark? For? Yeah, I do tax returns. I'm also, <laughs> an, I'm also an accountant. Like, yeah, do your bookkeeping. What's they do? I've seen CPAs that do that. I'm like, what? I can sell cars. It's like, and it kills for your about? point too with the referrals. Like then you know, when you're in these groups, you're kind of like blocking other people out. So like we're all, we love to network with people and I love to have a guy that does the things. Yeah, like yeah. maybe you have two or three in your, in your roster on the bench. But right, like if you do 12 things, like you're trying to tell me I can't have 11 other people who do it way better than you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So uh, typically that we're getting ready to wrap up. So Tyler usually has a question that he ends it with. Yeah, yeah. So um, like Justin said, we asked this to, to really all of our guests. So can you just kind of go over in, whether it's your personal life or, or in your business, a hurdle that you, you know, faced and um, what, the, what you learned from it? You know, what was the outcome? <sighs> I'm going to go back to, to football because that's what I, I – and it was – Played my my freshman year. Um, I wound up starting. Coach was fired. Um, I had a very good freshman year. I thought I was, you know, the man. <laughs> Our new coach came in, and I wound up splitting time with one of the safeties that came in from a JUCO. And it absolutely, I've never been, I've never been on the bench ever. And it crushed me to where I remember calling my dad saying, I don't, I don't know if I can, I can do this. Cause I was just playing special teams at that time. I went from being the man to, to splitting time. Essentially he, st- he started a few games over me and it, it crushed me. Sure. Um, and the conversation I had with my father 
at the end of it, I, I wound up staying there and just really being accountable, knowing more about the coverages, working my, my tail off. And um, I wound up starting the rest of my career. And it was a point where it was like you can either fold, you know. Or outwork. And, and yeah, or outwork. And, and um, that I still look back at that like, man, I was ready to ready to pitch a tent. Man, and that's man. that's something I'm, I'm extremely proud of. And that's something I take in, in the business world. Because we all, we're all, we all go through days, months. And mm-hmm. You're like, man, this is, this is tough. Yeah. But um, – you know, you, you figure it out and you, you you do things that put you in the position to win. And, you know, the, the harder you work, the luckier you get. So that yeah, would be my, my response. Yeah, 100%. It just you facing that adversity and, you know, so many people just quit. And yeah. um, being able to face that, especially I'm sure it's so much pride went into it. You That's what you, that's all you knew your whole life was football, right? Yeah. And um, being able to, you know, look at that and say, look at it as a challenge. Yeah. Um, and it got to you to be a starter, like you said, for the next however three years, and and you sound like you learned a great lesson with it. Yeah, nowadays I would have just transferred, right? Yeah, that's exactly right. Play for coaches, give the Go play for Colorado. Yeah, you know, we've talked That'd about be cool. it before. Like you know, pressure is a privilege, right? And like yeah. we all have pressure in different ways to be the breadwinner for our families, to be young guys in big industries where we have to walk into rooms and be able to command that respect. And it does it crumbles some folks, and then for those who you know, think of the discipline and the accountability and the big picture of things. It, it's that pressure creates diamonds, right? And it allows you to kind of transcend or level up or just become that next version of yourself rather than just staying comfortable and kind of just going to the wayside and transferring and just, mm-hmm. you know, I know I can walk in and play at this school, might not have the same opportunities, but, you know, with the ego, I can still be the guy, right? Like I'm still Tough. the man on campus yeah. rather than damn, can I be the man on campus? Can I outwork this guy? Can I prove to my coach? And obviously as a captain, you know, you, you captured all of that. Yeah. yeah. Pressure is a privilege. I like that, Justin. Nah, That's good. Yeah. This guy's always dropping gems. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Guys, hopefully everybody enjoyed uh, this episode. Make sure you'll see Mark's uh, social media uh, posts uh, or tags, I should say, within the episode. Check out his podcast as well. As you can see, wealth of information. Definitely be ready because it is that higher education. You know, we are talking uh, money and investments uh, just with your insurances, things like that, and the overall you know wealth of, uh, of you, really, and, and preserving that. So, um, yeah, take notes. It's definitely going to be something. There will be follow-up questions. Don't be afraid like I did. Half the things he said I didn't fully understand. So I said, can you please be a little more clear on that and break it down for the dummies? Um, but, Mark, it was an absolute pleasure to have you. We greatly appreciate you, and we'll definitely love to do this again. Thank you guys so much. This was an honor, and I think you guys, what you're doing is great. So thanks for having me on. Appreciate, appreciate you. Man. And as always, world, best day ever. Best See day ever, fam. The material and opinions voiced are for general information only and are not intended to provide specific advice or recommendations for any individual. To determine what is appropriate for you, please contact a member of Newton One Advisors.